space-time, the ever-expanding frontier. These are the records of the most needlessly complicated rewatch of the Star Trek franchise ever. Its mission? To observe Trek to from observe outside Trek existence, from outside. to the Big Bang, all the way to the end of the universe. To seek out every second and contemplate every eon. To do what no sane entity has ever done before. Hello and welcome to Temple Trek, the podcast that will show Trek throughout existence in chronological order. I'm your host, Dan Hitch. Here we are, episode 4, Profit Motive. We're still in Deep Space Nine for our outside space and time segments. But this time, it's not a Starfleet officer, it's Quark. Quark is going to the place of the wormhole aliens, the Prophets, and he's going to be outside time. We start at timestamp 35 minutes and 51 seconds, again, according to the Netflix UK edit. So... With the Ferengi, I never really saw that they would be a challenge to Starfleet. So it was really eye-opening when I was a little bit older and sort of looking back on TNG that they were being lined up to be the big bad for TNG. Uh, You know, when you compare it to what we eventually got in the Borg, there's no competition whatsoever. So it really does surprise me that the Ferengi were going to be considered in any way, shape or form an enemy. Uh, By the time we get to Deep Space Nine, obviously, that's changed slightly. They've mellowed out. They are seen much more as the economic power of the galaxy. Uh, They're wheeler dealers, traders, people who are just there in the background, engaging with other species, not necessarily in exploratory means, but just in a financial gain, and sort of being very unscrupulous, uh, at least uh, not a threat. In Quark, we have someone who supposedly embodies what it is to be a Ferengi, uh, but equally is a nice guy. You know, we're, we're sort of rooting for him uh, throughout all of Deep Space Nine, even though at the very beginning he's he's really underhanded, he even tries to kill people. Um, you know, secondhand, he hires other people to do things uh, and does some very despicable things. But by the time we get, certainly to this clip, uh, we're rooting for Quark. Quark is, is someone that we want to see succeed. The whole area of this section uh, starts with him against the big white background. Just as when Cisco was in there for the emissary, he's there, there's this heartbeat playing in the background, which is the exact same heart rhythm as a human being's. Perhaps that's just an error, perhaps the Ferengi have an exact same heartbeat as we do. I don't think that's ever set in canon. It does sort of feel weird that an alien has the exact same thing as a, as a human. When he first arrives, he sort of look at, he's looking at his hands, he's sort of not sure what's actually happening, but then he starts seeing flashes of all these events that have happened previously in the episode. He sees Bashir, he sees Kira, he sees several other members of the DS9 crew and some other characters from this episode uh, who are then going to embody things as well. Bashir is the first one to say it is corporeal. Kira then comes along and says it's a physical entity, not another one. Uh, she almost sighs, she almost uh, looks fed up with the fact that they've got another Ferengi coming in, which, uh, as far as I'm aware, seems to be sort of the uh, the feeling generally in the fan base, that the Ferengis are somewhat annoying, uh, that they're not uh, welcome uh, in, in Star Trek. Uh, that may have changed, and, you know, I'm... I'm it's my own personal hang-ups, uh, but as far as I'm aware, most people don't seem to like the... Uh, the Ferengi as a species. Not necessarily the Ferengi-centric episodes, which are actually quite fun, but generally as a species they're a bit tiresome. Quark instantly gets who they are, he's straight away uh, on it with his mission. The prophets then ask, uh, did Cisco send you? 
uh, and they want to know whether you know this is some sort of test from Cisco or that he's an emissary of Cisco's that they learnt everything as they did in the previous episode about linguistic communication time how this works and things like that uh, but Quark just completely undercuts it he's straight into the uh, the comic relief and his own mission his own greed as it were uh, he sort of says uh, I'd love to tell you all about this but really I've got my own thing to worry about he mentions the Nagus Zek the prophets then tell Quark that uh, Zek wanted to know the outcome of the game before it was being played a direct call back to the previous episode uh, looking at how Cisco was teaching them about how baseball is a great analogy for time travel and how different variations of different outcomes are possible just from the throwing of a ball and they seem to have taken this on quite well they uh, seem to now understand that corporeal beings need to value some sort of ignorance about what is to come in their future that they, they live in the present that there is a past present and now um, so Cisco's um, mission, as it were, as Cisco's time with the Prophet seems to have actually changed them. They, they seem to have a, a better idea. At least they seem less clueless than they were in the previous episode. However, when it's apparent that Zek wants to cheat, he wants to see the future. He wants to gain profit by that future. Zek has uh, been in there with them and tried to tell them that having more over less is preferable. Kira actually says that we find that concept aggressive and adversarial. Aggressive? Perhaps not. You know, um, wanting to acquire wealth doesn't necessarily mean you're going to prevent other people from getting it. Um, you know, you, you could be a pioneer uh, going out into a, a wide world claiming territory. You got there first, there was no one else you know, possibly going to claim it. Admittedly, once other players come in, yes, there is an aggressive nature to it. There is the adversarial nature, certainly. But it just seems that they, they are instantly judging this to be an aggressive posture. Then something really interesting happens. The prophets then say that they were so sort of bothered by Zek that they wanted to change him. They, they couldn't put up with him uh, being the way he was. So they examined the Ferengi's history. Now, it's it's odd, because they don't say that they left the wormhole, they don't say that they time-travelled, because they can see all of time and space, and this is another reason why I think that when you're inside this area, not necessarily using the, the orbs of the prophets, which I'm sort of seeing as a, a communications device, when you're inside the wormhole and talking to the prophets, you are outside time, because they are saying they can examine the history of another species. And they actually say that the Ferengis were never always that way. They weren't always looking for profit, that they were actually a very peaceful and quite tranquil species. They have not always been as they are, Cisco says, uh, which seems to be news to Quark. Now, I'm not entirely sure whether Quark is completely ignorant of the past and that perhaps Ferengi culture, valuing profit, that they've sort of written out the history books of what the Ferengi actually were, or whether Quark is deliberately being dumb. Um, he's he's not wanting to give away his negotiation position, uh, that he's perhaps being a bit of a trickster. Maybe he says, oh, were we really? Oh, I didn't even know that. He's not trying to give away his hand, so to speak. And that would be entirely with Quark, and so would the first one. Um, it, it's an interesting idea. You know, is the profit culture, the capitalist culture of the Ferengi, capable of subduing actual history and fact? 
over uh, truth and historical records. You know, we always uh, hear this uh, history is written by the victors. It's even said in a few Star Trek episodes. But you always sort of think of that as historical conquest, military campaigns. You know, the, the victorious general is destroying the books of the past and write, writing his own history. You don't necessarily think that maybe it's more of an economical thing that perhaps society will just move on so much that it will just simply forget its history. Uh, history is being written by the victors um, unintentionally. Uh, they're in power, therefore that's what's happening. So they say that they de-evolved Zek. Well, Quark says that anyway. Um, he sees uh, being nice and being humble uh, and wanting to change the Ferengi culture is a de-evolution from their standpoint, which is always nice. Uh, you know, it's that comedic thing that the, the Ferengis actually value their society as higher than, say, the Federations. The Federation are quite barbaric in contrast, of course, you know, Starfleet being the opposite way around. The prophets say that they restored him to a pure existence. Bit of an odd phrase. Uh, I mean, I, I get it. These aliens are outside time and space. They might not have a, uh, a full grasp of what this is. But, you know, it's the assumption that not being greedy, that not wanting to have some sort of drive and ambition is uh, some something lesser in a person. That it's somehow a defect in a personality as opposed to perhaps an advantage. Quark also takes umbrage at this and says there's nothing wrong with acquiring profit. Uh, there's a great speech. Um, it, it sort of mirrors a Picard speech uh, in another TNG episode again. Not going to go into details, not part of this episode, where Quark says uh, the need to improve ourselves is universal without ambition, without greed. People get lazy. They'd starve. They wouldn't bathe. Uh, they wouldn't uh, want to get anything. Uh, for their for themselves, that they would just simply die out from being lazy, uh, and this position I think is is quite popular in very conservative Republican far right thinking. Certainly today, uh, when I'm talking to you as I'm recording this uh, this podcast, there is a rise in that kind of thinking that having benefits, having a culture that allows people to relax and perhaps not be as ambitious uh, is somehow deficient. You know, I I do profess I am fairly liberal in my views, yes, uh, and I, I believe that, you know, benefit cultures and things are uh, essential as part of the contract of society. Uh, you know, in the UK we have something called the NHS, uh, something that uh, lots of people feel very strongly about, I do too. You know, it's often seen in political circles, from the far right circles, that having something like the NHS means that people don't have, um, you know, an element of fear in their society that would drive them to do better. Um, you know, not necessarily with the NHS, but a benefit system, certainly, and welfare. So it's it's fun to see Quark use these words, but there is a very serious real-world counterpart to that. You're seeing those sorts of words being justified for taking away uh, protections for the vulnerable in society. Um, so it's it's quite quite weird to see this being played almost as comedy, uh, rather than the the tragedy that we're currently living in in our history. And the prophets call him out on it quite rightly. Uh, they say that his argument is specious. Just because someone doesn't want profit doesn't mean they're just going to simply die out. Because he's taking it to the extreme and he exaggerates. Uh, and says that you know uh, millions upon billions of people will die if you take away greed and ambition from everyone. Whilst I don't believe that that's true, and even he admits he's exaggerating, it's interesting to think that greed and ambition are a positive. That really, if you're not driven, if you're not striving to be creative, you will 
just fade away, which I think is fairly true. Uh, if you don't really have anything to get up for in the mornings, it can be really, really hard to get out uh, and about and do those sorts of things. You know, I'm speaking speaking from a very privileged background. You know, I'm white. I'm a man. Uh, you know, I've never had to suffer uh, in my life. Uh, I, you know, I've achieved things, but I understand that it is easier for me to achieve things than other people. But I'm still driven. I'm still ambitious. I am creative. I, you know, I write and I'm an author. I want to be creative. Uh, and whilst I'm at home babysitting, writing doesn't really have much time, but I'm able to be creative in other aspects and create something like a podcast just to keep my creative mind flowing. I'm trying to be productive all the time to avoid getting lazy, to avoid losing my ambition. Um, and I think that there is a positive element to that. Quark, however, does bring up an interesting point. The prophets, who, as far as I'm aware, don't see themselves as gods, but are revered as such, have completely, against the will of the individual, changed the individual's nature. Now, the background to this is that Zek went into the wormhole, tried to um, get the prophets to tell him the outcome of the game, uh, try and see where he can make profit ahead of time, and uh, as a result, they changed his nature. They physically brainwashed him. They changed everything about him. Uh, and there's a very serious ethical point here going on. Take away the, the greed and ambition speech. There is a very clear um, argument to, to be made that what they've done is morally reprehensible. They have forced a change on someone. Not just physical, but a behavioural change. Um, it's something that if we saw some uh, dictatorship doing today in our society, we would think uh, it is completely against any kind of human ethics, human morality, human rights. And yet they've just casually done it without any regard to that person's choice. They could have just simply pushed him out of the wormhole, just sent him away, uh, deactivated the orb that he used to talk to them. Um, so very, very odd that these, these prophets are so removed from our reality that the ethical question of what they were doing didn't even play into their thoughts. They purely just didn't like him. Um, which, again, fits into the whole Ferengi aspect as well. Quark then changes his plea. So he's realised that the prophets aren't going to see things his way, the idea of greed and ambition being a good thing. So he's, he then tries to play into the Ferengi and their reputation as being annoying. Uh, and uh, he says that if you change... Zek, if you now change me because I've come to see you, more people will come. We are inquisitive by nature. We will try and figure out what has happened. And more and more Ferengis will come to the wormhole. And even the prophets instantly eye roll at this idea. And Dax uh, is the first one to sort of acknowledge that actually that is true. That there's going to be more people. We may have made more of a mistake than we realise. And Quark is saying that's potentially annoying for you. Uh, and it, it's a great little line. It's such a comic moment and just a snap delivery of a retort. It's just so great to see Armin Shimmerman uh, just deliver that. And quite annoying for you. It's a really, really good moment for him. He even delivers a little promise saying, if you leave me alone and if you return Zek to what he was, you know, I promise, I personally guarantee no one will come. And he does this really strange sort of ring finger on the thumb um, pinky swear kind of uh, crossed fingers salute and I, I love this little nuance that he's just put in to, to make the uh, the Ferengi culture uh, have their own sort of version of a fingers crossed or an I swear pledge promise you know, we're so used to seeing the uh, the live long and prosper salute in Star Trek but actually the, the, the ring finger on the thumb salute I think is actually quite cute as well 
Um, so it's quite nice just to see one of those little tiny uh, tidbits of Ferengi culture just snuck in uh, and put in by one of the most prolific actors to play one of those characters, to play a Ferengi. Uh, Armin Shimmerman is responsible, I think, for the modern uh, look at what a Ferengi is. His performance is the basis for everyone else's, uh, as well as for uh, Rom as well. And uh, on that on that promise, Kira just simply looks at all the pro- uh, prophets and just says... Linguistic communication is tiresome. She's definitely had enough. She started off not liking him. She still doesn't like him. But she recognises that what he said has some truth. And that's it. He's thrown right back into reality uh, and back into the episode. And we stop this podcast at 40 minutes and 56 seconds. Well, there we go. Short and sweet, that one. There really wasn't much to go on. It is one conversation between Quark and a couple of prophets. But I think there are some ideas that come through that are still relevant today. Uh, The idea of forcing change onto someone, brainwashing someone as against human rights, uh, which isn't said in the episode, but I think is uh, something to come out of that discussion. And then the idea that ambition and greed are somehow good, and that uh, if people are just handed everything on a plate and become lazy... Are they going to uh, ruin themselves? Is that is that a negative? So we're looking at the episode, the impact on canon. Our first area for reviewing episode, not really that big, uh, if I'm honest. There's not much of an impact on what's going to happen in the future. You know, here I am in uh, temporal head headquarters, temporal investigations. I'm in all my files. Uh, you know, we're going in and out of space time here, and I'm not seeing a big impact here now. It's interesting that the prophets did say that there's some earlier evolution of the Ferengis. I have no idea if that's ever been dealt with in books and what have you. But equally, that doesn't apply. As I said, with all of these episodes, I'm only going on what's been put or committed to screen. So it's nice to know these little tidbits, you know, seeing the little uh, ring finger on the thumb salute, all these uh, extra bits, that are these layers that are being added to the Ferengi culture. But ultimately... It really doesn't matter. So as far as the impact of this segment on the outside world into space-time, I'm afraid it doesn't get anywhere there. Now the writing, places to improve it. It might be interesting, I think, to to add an extra conversation about the ethics of changing someone's behaviour and the brainwashing, which Quark breezes over. Now there's two reasons that that could be. One is for time and purely for the production of the episode, that that was just another conversation. Uh, communication, another debate that uh, you know, the writers for the show didn't want to put in. But if we're going for in-canon explanations and like in-universe explanations for why a character didn't bring it up, I think Quark, from the culture that he has, from the Ferengis, they wouldn't necessarily see brainwashing as a bad thing. If you could make everyone think a certain way and do a certain thing, you would be the best salesman ever. <laughs> you would be able to sell them anything. You would be lining your coffers with latinum, as they might say. If you've got a set of customers who you would be able to tell to buy something over and over and over again, and they would never question you, why would a, why would a Ferengi say that was a bad thing? I think he would equally love that kind of technology himself. Unfortunately, because he's seen that it's been used to make Zek such a nice person, which could then completely change Zek's uh, outlook on running the Ferengi society and perhaps make them more like the Federation, he sees the downside of being able to brainwash someone and change someone. Perhaps he doesn't have some so much of an ethical qualm as, say, maybe a Starfleet officer would. Do I recommend this se- segment uh, to non-fans and to Star Trek fans? 
to Star Trek fans, yes, the, again, there's lots of layers being added to the Ferengi culture, you know, the salute and so forth, and it, this is a prime example of Quark's character. I still don't think that this is earth-shatteringly uh, important to the Star Trek universe. Um, we could quite easily go on beyond this scene and not have anything happen. You could easily just have it that in this adventure, Quark flew Zek into the wormhole and by the nature of just going in and then coming back out again, he is reset. He doesn't even need to have a conversation with the Prophet. So it doesn't actually have to happen. It could have just been a, a miscalculation in some bit of tech, the tech, that led to a chemical imbalance in Zek's head. It had nothing to do with the Prophet, it's just his travel through the wormhole. Now that would have been a great story if the idea that you're travelling through the wormhole completely changes your brain chemistry and that there's some sort of defence you have to muster. That would be a great, great story that, you know, this... This access to the Gamma Quadrant, this new area to explore, is somehow harmful. Um, you know, you could have all sorts of stories coming out of that. But that's not the way they went. They went for the profits changing Zek. So really, to Star Trek fans, not really important. And to non-Star Trek fans, there's not really much to go on here. There will be better Quark episodes. There will be better Ferengi episodes, I think, coming up over this particular segment. Now, when it comes time to watch this episode in sequence... Maybe there's a little bit more depth to it, but we'll have to just wait until that comes around, back when uh, DS9 will be in our season rotation. So, that's it. Join me next time on Temporal Trek, when I re-watch Star Trek Generations. We are actually coming out of Star Trek Deep Space Nine just for a short time, and we are going to go into Star Trek Generations. Now, unfortunately, Netflix UK doesn't have the movies, so I am basing this on my own uh, DVD collection and I will be starting at timestamp 1 hour 21 minutes exactly and that is when we are inside the nexus thank you very much for listening I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Temporal Trek if you would like to contribute anything to the show, fan art, music clips, ideas for segments, then please feel free to contact me on Twitter at Hitch underscore Daniel or on Instagram Daniel underscore Hitch underscore writer. This show is always going to be free. There's no Patreon at all. But if you would like to financially contribute to the show, then I am a published author on Amazon and I'll catch you in the next time stream.